Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 10% off. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, it's a quickfire show as we offload our thoughts on the results of this year's Mercury Music Prize, which, of course, was all about this man. We're joined by Tim Jones, who was who was actually there. I wasn't there. I was at home. I was sort of there. I was underneath the Mercury Awards <laughs> <laughs> in a little room. Sounds good. Oh no! Oh no! Literally, physically, I was underneath. Yeah, underneath the stage. Yeah, really, so like I, in a dungeon. Yeah, <laughs> very much dungeon. like a dungeon. Uh, yeah, so I could hear the bands playing above me. At one point, I managed to get out into the venue. It was that sounds awful. Yeah, it was one of one of the worst nights of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't even get to sit at a table and. No, no. Did you get any no. food? No. Brilliant. Did you get anything to drink? Uh, I had three bottles of beer, yes. Wow. Yeah. And a five pound wristband. You got five pounds, so I spent it. I spent it on a red wine at the end. <laughs> this is what you got a five pound. Yeah. Uh, this is terrible because obviously, you know, you, you say any any kind of, you know, kids, kids listening and they want to get into music journalism, yeah. This is this is what it's like. This is the caviar One of the One day you could have your blue wristband, cyan wristband that gets you five pound wine. Just work hard. <laughs> <laughs> keep writing that blog, baby. Yeah, keep um, that blog going. <laughs> One day you too will get 175 milliliter small glass of oh, no, I, Nottage I it's Hill. 250. What? It was a 250 mil. Oh, it was a big one? Yeah, I reckon. I don't know what yeah. you're complaining about. I God, was also, some people, the more they have, the meaner they get. I was balling out of control, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm touching uh, the common man. Kieran, you, you were... <laughs> Kieran, you were uh, fresh back from Las Vegas. You were balling. Yeah, I was um, balling. balling. Is that right? Is balling, is balling, does balling mean Yeah, balling means... Now? Yeah. As opposed to balling what it used to mean. Uh, both of you looking at me like, balling, uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, it does, yes, it does. It does, all right. So, balling means, now means rich rather than having it off, which is what it used to mean. Oh, I didn't um, know it used to mean that. Yeah. I didn't know that. I've always Isn't known good it golly, is. Miss Molly, you right. sure like to ball? Balling. Ball. With ball. What was that? Well, that was me. Well, somebody put you, well, did you just mind putting testicles in your mouth? <laughs> I don't I just, just got this, I don't know what's happened to you in there. <laughs> I'm genuinely, I don't know what I'm to sorry, say. Can we just, should we talk about the Mercury Prize? This podcast has gone completely off-piste. Sorry, a bit of order here, people. Honestly. It's going to go badly down here oh. if we're going to talk about the Mercury Prize. <coughs> <laughs> you, 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 but you were aware. Yep. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I'm Las much, Vegas was alive with talk of the Mercury was, Prize. I'm yeah. sure you couldn't move in the casinos. People going. I did bet. <laughs> on Laura Mavula? Yes, and then I lost it. Yeah, I think yeah. everybody thought Laura Mavula was going to win, right? Yeah. Or Laura Miling, I thought. Oh, I didn't think she was going to win. I no, thought... I thought Fula might win, and I yeah. thought Disclosure might yeah. win. I hope Disclosure would win. But. Yeah, I thought I thought those were the two that had it. Should we go through? Let's, let's go, go through, through the nominees. Aren't they Monkeys AM? That you know, I mean, that could. That's a, a one of those things they've given it to PJ Harvey twice. They might have given it to the Arctic Monkeys. It's a very strong album. It's called, I think they've come back a lot stronger than people expect the Arctic Monkeys. I agree, but I don't think it's anywhere near as good as their first album. I think it's a really good record. No way near as good as. I, I just don't think it's as good as some people are saying. It's a pretty good. It's a return to form, as they say. No. But, I mean, 
is it the best album this year? No, of is, not. is this list? We're gonna, I mean, other things on this. David Bowie the next day, fair enough. You know, David Bowie presumably still reeling <laughs> from uh, losing to uh, Ellie Goulding at the Kill Awards. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie, most important artist in the world or something. <laughs> Give it to Ellie Goulding. Imagine Bowie's like, I'm never leaving my flat again, you know. Um, <laughs> So he obviously wasn't going to show up. Uh, Disclosure, fine, big, very much album of the summer. Disclosure, or maybe you got perception if you went to festivals that it was the album of the summer because every time Disclosure yeah. played at a festival, they basically had to call out the fire brigade because yeah. it was so overcrowded. But um, also Disclosure, it's it's a clever album, right? Isn't it? It's a smart album. It's not just a kind of mainstream festival filler album. Oh no, no, it's not like Dumbo. It's not yeah. like Pendulum. Yeah. You know, it's not a Dumbo kind of lowest common denominator dance music, is it? No. No, I don't think so. I thought that. Um, it was great when it first came out. It's just because it's been played out, like you say, it's been played out, you know, through so many festivals and it's been played in, you know, as a, as kind of pop records in clubs all across summer so, and, you know, in, in adverts and on TV. So I feel like you've heard it so much that you feel like it's a far more mainstream pop album than it is. Mm. And then when you go back and actually revisit it and listen to it, there's a lot more kind of interesting, complex club stuff in there and different tempos and different influences. So And even though the influences are quite retro, it still feels like a record that is about this yes. year yeah. which yeah. you can't say about a lot of them yeah oh, yeah. Mon- Arctic Monkey's been one of them yeah. uh, 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 Foles holy fuck I, I profess ignorance of the Foles yeah I didn't listen to that the thing about Foles is they're actually quite an uh, impressive live band like really are they we? do something quite different than they do on record right. and their records are very weedy in comparison to how they actually they? create something live which, right. uh, which is kind of surprising I saw a bit of them once at Glastonbury right and they, they uh, Sort of thing. I'm like, I don't think this is as clever as it thinks it is. This music. That was my general. I'm, I mean, this is, you know, a, a firm critical opinion based on sort of 20 minutes of watching <laughs> Foles as I wandered between two other things. Right. You know, drunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, that's how I make most of my yeah, yeah, exactly. Listen to something for 20 minutes when I'm pissed. You know. At least you gave it 20 minutes. Yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's dedication like that that's made me Britain's top rock critic, Tim. <laughs> um, yeah, I, d- I never thought they were really in with a chance, Foles. But that's no, I didn't really. Because I'm not, you know. But it's not very exciting, more to the point. I just I don't feel like there's a lot of excitement around them in a there's way. Not, there's not a buzz be. around the third Foles album. Is there? No. <laughs> no, no, that's absolutely not. You, not. you can't say. In the way, there is a buzz around the fifth Arctic Monkeys record. Yeah. You know, there is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Jay Book. I mean, I couldn't see him winning it. Could you? No, I no. couldn't see Jay Book winning it. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it's on there. Because it's an enormous populist success. It's the biggest selling album out of all of these. I still don't really know why it's on there. Um, because he is held to be a, a classic uh, singer songwriter who's writing, you know, material. That is relevant today, but in a classic style. I went to see him in Brighton, and uh, it was sort of, it's kind of all right. I've done his voice unbelievably, and I'm singing you, and I'm going to shout. Sing properly. Well, you don't have to sing like that. Enunciate. <laughs> but for saying that, he uh, he's a brilliant guitarist, and you know, there's some, he's something quite compelling about sort of, I was sort of compelled against my will. Right. Um, well, I think that record is to me is just someone who hasn't worked out who they want to be yet at all. It's, it's like it's like put artist in development because some of it is just so classic, mm. trying to be that classic '60s songwriter. Yeah. But that's that's not who he is, and it'd be better if he kind of sang in his natural voice and just only wrote about things he wanted to write about. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like 
the bulk of these albums are really <clears throat> confident albums. They, you know, they, regardless of what we might think of them, they have quite strong identity. And Jake Bugs didn't. I, I heard it and was like, I felt kind of felt the same. I felt like it was maybe a work in process. He wasn't commanding enough that he felt like he was doing something really new. Six hundred thousand copies of that album. You know, I mean, he's not, not he's though. not dicking about. Yeah. In terms of, I was watching him. This amazing thing happened. I was, I was, I was watching him, and this guy, old fella, you know, like uh, in his sixties or whatever, sort of grabs me <laughs> while I'm watching Jay Bug. What's going on? He goes, ah, oh, I had to give someone a nug. Yeah. He's really got that Woodstock spirit, hasn't <laughs> it? I was like, I can think of, you know, <laughs> few artists who have less of that Woodstock spirit. Than, than this well, I just, when was, I went to see him in Lincoln it was I fights, kicked off fights <laughs> everywhere like you know he'd be saying this is a song called Broken and he'd start playing this acoustic ballad there'd be like blokes punching the shit out of each other <laughs> Bounce, bouncers dragging them out people tipping pints on their heads like, what, what the hell is this is this Lincoln or is this Jake Borg I mean that's amazing <laughs> perhaps if any listeners are in Lincoln are listening to this in Lincoln <laughs> yeah. um, you can write in and tell us does that happen when foals come to Lincoln <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when when Laura Marling walks up, <laughs> that, that would be the true up in Lincoln, do you all start do you all start beating the shit out of each other when that when that happens? Imagine. <laughs> James Blake overgrown. Um, which one? Um, I think the surprise. I mean, on one level, everybody said the Laura Marling, uh, Laura Mavula album was like a Mercury winner through and through. You could see a lot of reviews when it first came out. Well, I'd be really surprised if someone won the Mercury. In retrospect. The James Blake album is a Mercury winner through and through. It is actually, on one level, it's quite an obvious choice. It's not an obvious choice because you sell people sell them when they're their second albums. It's usually debuts, blah, 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 blah. But it's an adventurous record. It shows development from his first album. I think it's a sort of sharper record than his first album. And sort of slight, you know, it's, he's moving his sound along a bit. Um, it has had a pat on the head from Brian Eno. You could, you know, I hesitate to use this phrase because it's a real like wankers phrase, like dinner, dinner party music, coffee table music. You know, people always say Portishead, Portishead, Portishead and Tricky dinner party music. It's like, have you ever heard a record by Tricky? What fucking dinner party do you, you know? <laughs> Um, what would you put that on for? <laughs> anyway, um, but you could put it on the background and it would just sort of float around the room in a nice way or you could put it on your headphones and get completely lost in this sort of really quite unique sound world. It has created, it, his first album created a space between sort of dubstep and more traditional song or songwriting that I think quite a few people have actually rushed into subsequently. All these things... You know, it's got a bit of dance music in it. It's got a bit of introverted, brooding singer-songwriterness in it. All these things, to me, actually, tickle, it takes a lot of Mercury boxes. I think that's almost why I hate it. Do you hate it? Oh, oh really? I really hate it. Yeah, yeah. Really? I, I almost couldn't get through, listen to the whole album. Wow, really? He does have that effect on I just some think people. It's so, it? so boring. I think it's just utterly boring, and I find it emotionally just no connection whatsoever. I find it really soulless, actually. That's Even really though he's got like a nice voice and <laughs> his production is obviously he's clever and he, he you know is that what it a, is him is as it... a producer mate yeah. i could kind of get behind a lot more than him as a star i mean also it doesn't help that i was there in the press room when he'd actually won the award and like, never have i encountered a pop star with less charisma or anything yeah, to say true. and it kind of i just well, thought, that's the curse of the dance producer um 
you know, who shunted mm. out in front of, yeah, you know, in yeah. front of it, not shunted out. I mean, it's his decision. No one's put a gun to his head. But, um, you know, you always get that sort of thing when people, you know, dance music very seldom produces because what impels you to be the front man of a rock band or to be the front man of whatever, not a rock band necessarily, yeah. but, you know, to be a front man is not the same thing that impels you to start making dubstep in your bedroom. It's just these are two completely different things. Yeah. And the transition from one to another requires certain... I, I don't know, I think that's why... But I almost ni- like that consistent awkwardness with him. I mean, we were talking <clears> about <throat> um, him and the Chance the Rapper video, the, mm. the new track that they've yes. done together, and he you know, he looks you know, completely awkward. He just looks like a skinny white boy that you know, has been befriended by a popular kid. And, you know, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I quite like that. You know, he's, he was like that with the first album when he was doing the whole press run then. He was like that when, you know, he was doing... Uh, the harmonics projects with Trim, you know, and grime sets, and he was doing like grime circuits, and you know, he was in the background doing all this production stuff, and so he's, I think he is quite a consistent artist in that way. Do you I, like the record? I mean, um, I didn't like it as much as the first album, but okay. I thought it was good enough. I thought it was interesting because to see the response when we were at Glastonbury and you know, kind of all his festival stuff, because people really love it and people go nuts for it. People they? like knew fighting. like every nuance, <laughs> stuff, like everything. <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy. That's when he goes to Lincoln. That <laughs> I always, I always think of it as like you know, bit, you know, a bit cerebral, yeah. cool, you know, hi, you know, hipsterish kind of cool kiddie underground music. But that's you know, that's just not the case anymore. And when I was in Vegas, um, <laughs> you know, uh, hanging people, out with David Furnish. Yeah, pe- people were talking about like James Blake and Subtract and Jesse Ware and you know all these kind of artists that sometimes you feel like you might have ownership of when you've mm-hmm. kind of seen their um, development from sort of, you know, uh, performing in East London clubs or whatever. Um, so I thought that that was good for him. And th- and also it does sound like all those influences, what you're talking about as him being the, the buzzword to describe post-dubstep in that sort of awkward space that existed for a while after dubstep had got quite mainstream. Um, you know, that he he was like the poster boy of this kind of new sound mm. of, you know, those kind of bass tempos slowing right down and it becoming a lot more kind of fractured and and um he's definitely the king of that sound, I think. So it almost makes sense that he's 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 one of those great. Um Rebecca Nicholson was also at the awards last night, attempting to get James Blake to spend his twenty thousand pound prize money on booze. Yay! Now James, everyone we've spoken to who's come down the red carpet has said that you are their the person they'd like to see I win. People have been saying this as well. Yeah. I thought they were just I No, no, everyone just said it. Blowing smoke up my Backside, up, up and what do you, if someone hands you the cheque tonight, what do you do with that cash? Um, I really, I have no idea. That's quite a lot of money. I don't Can know I suggest a round for the venue? A round for this entire uh, red carpet. I mean, mm. you might as well. AKA th- pissing it right at the wall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm happy to help. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Nice to meet you. Thank you. The winner of the 2013 Barclay Card Mercury Prize is James Blake for his album Overgrown. This is the first award I've ever won, apart from a tennis uh, trophy that I won when I was about 12 years old at my school. I think it's all round, surely. Surely. You're not pissing up the wall. No, 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 no. no. I'm just going to stick to my... I'm going to stick to my... uh, What was this bet that you had? Um, Just someone else is going to win it. But who did you have it with? Probably this guy. I thought they were going to win it. They wanted you to win it, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're very nice. That's the nature of a big music romance. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you. Rebecca Nicholson uh, there, attempting to get James Blake to get his round. 
John Hopkins is the only record, of, and I think this is the big failing of this Mercury shortlist. The only record on it that hasn't already made the top 20 is uh, John Hopkins' Immunity. It's um, terrible, that, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah, a... it's, it's either, which means one of two things. Either a, like the best music being made is completely within the mainstream, which is quite a heartening thought, mm. or this is a really narrow selection of music. And it is actually quite a narrow selection of music, in a way. You know, I, I know everyone always goes about the tokenism of the jazz bit, you know, or the folk person getting that, it, whatever. That, that's the point, is that it's a completely arbitrary list judged by people, you know, 12 people. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just... It, the whole point is surely that it just shines spotlight on that, that jazz band gets its moment in the... Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you, I always, every bloody year, I say, I don't know what the point of the Mercury Prize is. I don't know... What the point of it's very nice for James Blake. I, mean, I, I unlike you, two, I do really like that record. I'm sort of glad he's won. I, I don't know to what end giving James Blake an award. I don't really see what. I'm not. Sure, I don't know. I think if you did it, something make it for first albums or make it for things that I, I don't know. Yeah. What I feel is it would mean more if the music it was picked out of was broader. I don't know. But, it may, but, they, but you can't really judge a jazz album by the same standards that you judge the Arctic Monkeys. I don't Monkeys think that matters. You just have it on the list and then people... It certainly helps them. I mean, again, this is what I say every year. shortcut. Yeah, no, and also, you know, <laughs> that makes... No, I mean, you know, we well, said the walking way. It makes a hell of a difference to a folk act or a jazz act to get included on the Mercury Prize list. Yeah, exactly. In a way, you know, because those people sell 3,000 copies of an album. That's yeah. the average sale of a British jazz album is about 3,000 copies, three to 5,000 copies. So actually, if you sell 10,000 copies... While you would probably get dropped if if you were Jake Bug, you know what I mean. That's yeah. a huge deal. So that's a good thing for it to do. I always also think like the, the gravitas of you know the Mercury um, Prize as a brand might lend people to explore all these albums yeah. that they might not have heard exactly previously. But then when you look at the list, it's like well, I imagine that most people might have heard like Bowie or Arctic Monkeys or Disclosure or even or like Rudimental. Like yeah. those, you know, these aren't like completely underground, you know, independent you know, small releases on small labels, these are, you know, people have heard them, so maybe... Yeah, yeah. and it's not like, there's also this myth, I think, about, oh, it's, it's, you know, small labels can't afford to enter their album. It's like, I think it's like 140 quid to enter an album. If you can't afford, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> that's what, what fucking label is this that, that, that can't afford 140 quid to... Uh, John I, Hopkins, I, mean, I, th- huh? I think I think that's quite a lot of money if you're running an indie. Do you? Yeah, a lot of money. Because it's like some people who are running some of these labels are like twenty-two-year-olds who can't afford a, a meal. It's not. It's, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's not really like. Oh, well, maybe I maybe I stand corrected then. I think if you, especially in this day and age, if you're running in India, I mean, I think it's a lot of money just to enter mm, to something enter. that might. But particularly, it's a lot of money to, to enter something that you don't think is going to get yeah. picked. You know, you know what I mean? It doesn't stand a chance because everything on the thing's been in the top ten or top twenty. Um, we've got off the point, but John Hopkins' Immunity, I think, is a brilliant. Album. Yeah, I, I think it's, good it's a really, really good record, and um, that's a bit like J- this thing you said about James Blake. In that, it's you know you can put that on in the background and not yeah. notice it, or you can really listen to. Yeah, it's also quite boshing in places. Yeah, it is actually know. surprisingly in places. Yeah, um, I, I think he is a really interesting producer. I thought the last Mercury, uh, uh, last time we got nominated for a Mercury, that was one of my favourite records of the year. With the, the, the album he made with King Creosote, there was you know I sort of thought in a way out of all of those, I would have probably picked that myself 
that would have been my choice to win. Laura Marling, I mean, you know, the thing about it is also you, you end up slagging the Mercury off by default. These are all pretty good albums. You know, I'm not the world's biggest Laura Marling fan, and I just sort of, I th- actually thought the album was, certainly the first half of the album was really good. You know, it's a really well-made record. It's it's interesting. It's, she's trying to do something different. She's trying to move things forward. She's, you know... Yeah, it's all about one song. Do you? Yeah, Yeah, the worst. But I I thought the complete opposite. I thought, God, how is this doing anything different? Or how is she... It's a one long song, the first... first, Yeah, but but, I mean, like, musically, there's like... like, (laughs) 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 It's interesting, but when I I heard, like, the whole thing through, I was really like, oh, God. It doesn't feel exciting to me. Okay, okay, well, sorry about that, Laura. Sorry. We once did that, we once had an interview with Laura Marling and then we had a discussion <laughs> afterwards about... Uh, I remember We're that. not really people, people mm-hmm. that big fans of Laura Marling. And we got all these angry emails and tweets from people who thought that Laura Marling had actually come in for an interview <laughs> and left the room and we'd all start going, fucking hell, you know. <laughs> oh, that record, God, I don't like it at all, you know. Um, that was not what happened. Um, Laura Mavula, I think, is a great album. I think, well, I, no, actually, I don't, yes, I do. I do think it's a great album. <laughs> Um, I think it's a. I think, no, I think. What do I think about Laura Mavula? I think it's a flawed album in that it goes on a bit. There are times when you just think, oh, you know, for the love of God, wind this song up. You know, it's you really. But in uh, terms of making a record that, on one level, is aimed firmly at the Radio Two playlist, this is a really strange and adventurous take on that kind of, you know, it's influenced by all these weird things, it's influenced by classical music it's influenced by the swingle singers, it's influenced by you know, um, it's not people went, oh, she's the new Adele or whatever, and it's like, I don't think it has anything like an Adele record at all. So much more interesting Yeah, interestingly yeah. produced. Um, she's great, I wanted, to, I wanted this one to win. Yeah, I, I really thought it was going to, I did think I it was going to It would have been a kind of decent choice, that. Yeah. And um, it might have kind of helped make people realise that she's a bit more inventive than yes. she gets credit for. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I really, I do sort of feel for her. I don't think she really, she's really that bothered, but I do sort of feel for her a bit in that she's, you know, a woman that studied at a conservatoire and knows all this stuff about, you know, whatever, like modern classical music and jazz and all that kind of thing, and then she rocks up and, oh, yeah, you wouldn't do a deal. Uh, Why has that happened? Is that because of her label? I think it's partly because of her label. I think it's partly because people automatically go, whenever you get um, a black woman at a piano, people go, you know who she sounds like? Billie Holiday yeah. or Nina Simone. Laura Mavula, I sound more like Billie Holiday and Nina <laughs> Simone than Laura Mavula. Does it? I mean, no relation to her voice at all. It's, you know. Also, talking about... But to, sorry, go on. I was going to say talking about we're talking about it as if it's like a really bad thing that she's been pushed this way. But maybe this was the best thing she sold a lot of records by mm. marketing her as she's been marketed. So maybe mm. that's good. It's not like she's probably sitting there thinking, "Oh, if only critical establishment of you know." It also got very well reviewed around for the most part. Right, exactly. So, yeah. um, but you were saying, uh, uh, yeah, I think it can be quite debilitating sometimes when you're described as having a jazz voice or a soul voice because yeah, immediately you're you're almost. Um, discredited from you know these kind of albums or being described in a pop light but her performance at Glastonbury I thought was one of the best performances that was really good it was so great and she's yeah and she's got so much charisma and I think that really comes through in her live performances and actually on the record I think the other reason I suppose that people saw it in that way was it was produced by Glenn Ponder (laughs) 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 of uh, Alan Partridge fame who also produced the Rumour album you know, which is a much more, I think the Rumour album is a much more straightforward, sort of Radio 2 friendly <laughs> record than this. Rudimental. Do you not like Rudimental? Karen, you your face fell. No, I don't like What that. do you not like about Rudimental? 
Well, like they're um, they're sort of trying too hard as a dance act to you know sort of be overly musical or you know they call themselves like multi-instrumentalists you know on stage because they have someone with a guitar and you know a live drummer and I, f- I don't feel like the you know <laughs> I don't feel like the songs are that that good I think like the you know the pop records that have been out you know the Ella Air one which is great the Waiting All Night track you know what they you know they do really well and they chart really highly and you know and they're really great in that kind of festival environment certainly but I just I don't really I just feel like it's quite vacuous pop when I hear it do you feel it's one a bit one. depressing when a kind of dance act has to kind of prove that they're real musicians and they can oh. do this sound with a guitar is that kind yeah, of yeah but I think it's even worse when they buy into that as yeah, well when okay. they really believe it sort of very earnestly you know that we're sort of musicians and we're doing something really new and really different when, I mean to be fair you know, watching the performances that I saw last night they did at least because they had like 10 people on stage all banging different things yeah. and playing different instruments it did look way better than like when Disclosure came on and just sat there with their laptops that's true yeah so it, it was kind of you know that was probably the best performance of the night actually really? from watching just because it live. feels fun yeah, just because it was like the whole stage was taken up and it was a bit bright and it was quite funny seeing, it was just seeing how scared all the people down below looked. <laughs> <laughs> um, I missed almost all the uh, live performances because the coverage uh, on more 4, E4, mm. I don't know, whatever, you know, bit of Channel 4, just completely packed in. It started and it ended up, you know, with an announcer going, well, I'm afraid, the, you know, you thought, you thought the Potter's yeah. Wheel was going to come on any minute. And so I missed Rudimental and I also missed Savages. I miss Savages. Four little ladies, they got a lot of moxie. <laughs> <laughs> Joke, Stanley. Good Joke. one. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> they sure sound feisty. I really like Savages. Uh, I think of all the sort of guitar rock, such as it is, on this list, their album is my favourite because it's pissed off and, you know, if you were... It just sounds quite sort of inspired and angry and noisy and you know it's clearly not been made with much in the way of commercial considerations which you know um you can't say about a lot i think people are a lot more aware of where your album fits in the landscape and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing and yeah. um for all those reasons i really like savages that was a brilliant moment i did put this in my live blog but when all the uh, photographers in the press room rushed forward when the savages entered the room so someone's like savages are here Really? And they all thought they said sandwiches are here. Yeah! <laughs> Amazing. I the first time <laughs> it's I, like if there's one band to do that kind of funny name confusion lol with, well, it's probably to, not savages. Well, happens, the first time I saw <laughs> them on the on front it. of a, a magazine, their name was I think it's Stool Pigeon or something like that. I thought they were called sausages, <laughs> which is such an amazing. They, they, I actually like them more if they were called sausages. Um, <laughs> um, does does how good they are live translate on the record? Oh yeah, I think I've never I think they're better, I, live, better live, but I think the the, the record's pretty, mm. pretty. Uh, records, yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So good it sent me slightly Dutch. Sure, savages. Um, <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, so I thought that would have been a worthy winner. Villagers away, land. It's got curly brackets in the title though. How, how many artists would be brave and courageous enough to put squiggly brackets around their album title? What a pretty pass rock and roll has come to <laughs> that we're saying that. A matter of punctuation. It is indeed. A matter of ellipses. <laughs> um, I, I just, I, 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 I mean, they're all right. Yeah. It's fine. I didn't hear it. It's, it's, it's neither. I don't know, it's just a bit in one ear and out of the other, the Villages album. Really. Yeah. Um, I believe we debuted it on the uh, Guardian website. We did. It's got one good song on it. So there you go. That's that's our our thoughts for what they 
Well, I, bet, I bet villagers really feel pleased about the uh, kind of sweat and toil they put into making that uh, statement of their soul. What, the know? curly brackets? Well, yeah. <laughs> that meeting. I'm sure they listen to this podcast and they're like, yeah, it's really uh, no, I just, I just, it's, it's fine. It's not a bad record, the villagers' record. It's just, it just didn't really uh, stick with me. You no, know, it didn't, didn't, didn't kind of logic. It feels so. like an album that came out in kind of 2000, or maybe like 1999 and all those chewing breaks etc yeah the uh, what was it the new acoustic movement Nam yeah Nam, <laughs> Nam what yeah. a great name they're uh, just not artists that you think of when you think of people who are representing British music today no, no absolutely and yeah that's yes that's a very good point I suppose the final question is were you a Mercury judge in the unlikely event that any of us actually I got asked to be a Mercury judge and I declined uh, why because that's the point of it I don't, I don't know what I don't know what it's there for. I, well, you know, it seemed like a bit of a. Do you get paid to do it? I don't think so. I don't, there was never any. Not that that, that would motivate me in any way. But <laughs> um, uh, I, I I I just didn't. I just don't see the purpose of it as a prize. And you know, I, I, I don't know. If you were a Mercury judge, uh, what would you have picked here, and what would your choice out of that have been? Out of that shortlist. Out of this shortlist, uh, Lauren Vila. And what would you have fought a tooth and nail battle with uh, Professor Simon Friss, uh, head of the judging panel, to get on the shortlist that isn't there? I mean, I just feel like any kind of difference, like it would be really great to have someone like Style OG on, on there, you know, even someone like Iconica or, you know, someone from those sort of independents or making you know, truly different but British music, yeah. you know, things that you hear and you're generally excited by and you really want people to listen to. Because when I think of Mercury, it's just like I was saying before, I feel like these are albums that I, re- I really want people to listen to and I want them to hear it and feel like, oh God, this is exactly, yeah. you know, this is exactly what I hear when I'm out, this is exactly what I feel like people should be listening to. Because these are, you know, these are albums that have, you know, great scenes surrounding them or they're at the forefront of a scene, which is why, I, why I'm not really mad at James Blake winning because, you know, he does represent a real time and he represents a whole scene and he represents lots of copycat artists and he was definitely a pioneer at a certain time. Um, and there's lots of other artists like him that are doing similar things and are not being recognised. So. There's also somebody, I was reading somewhere the other day, a guy from Ninja Tune mm. uh, talking about when uh, Speech to Bell won and he said they got the impression as a label that the Mercury people behind the Mercuries were really angry that the Speech to Bell record hadn't sold yeah. and that they felt that they kind of wasted their time giving her mm-hmm. the award because the record hadn't sold and it was somehow a failing on right. a failure it of their decision. It made them look bad. It made them look bad and they made the wrong decision because people hadn't bought into it. So it's quite a weird, there's a quite weird criteria then. So it's like when you've got to pick something that is ostensibly Don't the best sell. album of the year, yeah. but you've also, it's got to have some sort of guaranteed commercial commercial thing. You know, which is why I sort of think, you know, like last year I thought, well, why didn't they nominate Cooley? Why wasn't Cooley G's album nominated? Mm. And probably because it wouldn't sell, because it's got a weird sounding record. And, you know, if you do a wider market, it's never going to get played on Radio 1, you know, during the daytime. And but Dizzy's album was a really weird sounding record at the time. Yeah. But it ha- I feel like that worked because it had, you know, it really made the point that there was a scene and there was a market for it. There were people that <coughs> weren't being represented at the time that loved that music. And, you know, I think that that, that can happen. There were all, I think there's always albums yeah. in a year that represent something. There was a lot of coverage around that one before it won the Mercury, though. There was a lot of coverage. True, but I think the problem with the Speech to Bell record is I, I just don't think that was that good a record, and that's why it didn't sell. It wasn't that... I don't know. It's like if you, I think if they pick a weird, good 
record yeah. it, then that will help it sell a lot. I suppose Anthony. It's got yeah. a weird, weird record, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that sort of did all right. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, you know, it didn't sort of top the charts. But I mean, you know, he's a kind of figure. Um, whether we would have become a figure without the Mercury is a is a. I think it probably would have done, wouldn't he? Um, Tim, were you? Had you been permitted to leave the critics' dungeon? Yeah. And uh, ascend. <laughs> the top table <laughs> what would you have been lobbying hard for which out of these would you have said uh, you should win? I would have wanted Disclosure to win just because mm-hmm. I think it's, it is both melodic and quite interesting and that's basically enough for me and, but, what's and John there? Hopkins might have been um, interesting but actually one quick thing about it is I get the feeling as well if you have a kind of record that stands out and is quite different and weird I think what happens with these judging panels a lot of the time it's maybe two records that people are arguing yeah. about and they end up settling on another one that they all quite like. Yeah. I think it's actually, I think there's a good point. I was talking to somebody who uh, frequently posts on the uh, on the Guardian page, a guy called Kalir the other day, uh, about when you get those aggregated, like mm-hmm. the NME just did that 100, 500 yeah. greatest albums or whatever, and it's, you know, an aggregated list. And they're always quite boring, I think. And then when you actually see uh, writers' individual choices, top 10 albums, I mean, that's actually really interesting. You know, there's that mad Laura Snape song where she's just like everything by the Nationals. But you sort of think, actually, that's sort of more interesting than being told that The Queen is Dead is a good album, you know? And I think, weirdly, the same is sort of true of The Mercury's. I think aggregate that sort of aggregation of critical opinion. Yeah. Perhaps that leads you to less less adventurous music. I don't know what the answer to that is. It's like one person decides to mad like that. But I wonder if that's part of the issue. As you say, you know, people settle for something on which they can all agree Mm -hmm. rather than something that they're madly passionate about. What album isn't on there that should be? Uh, well, I agree with Kieran about Iconica, um, and I also chose MBV. Yeah, as my my. Well, word. that was disqualified. Not allowed. Yeah, disqualified. Because it's not on a record label. Doesn't have a distribution deal or something. Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely not. I mean, that's you know. So silly. It's it's silly. It's actually bureaucratic, isn't it? It's really bureaucratic, and it's a bureau- It's a really weird band to do that to because yeah. you know it's not like some. You know, you've just done that to some guy in his bedroom. Yeah. There, you know, he's, he's done some stuff on Garage Band, and you know, and, oh yeah, well that one's gonna. It's like, well, probably the, probably the most important <laughs> alternative <laughs> guitar band of the last you know, <laughs> thirty years, and you've just fucked him off. You know, it's it's a very odd way to carry. I thought you might bend the rules a bit. Yeah, <laughs> bearing in mind it's my bloody Valentine, you know. Um, yeah. But there you go. Can't bend the rules in rock and roll, mate. Rules That's not there. what it's all rules about. Are there for a rules, are, rules is rules <laughs> in rock and roll. Rules are there for a reason. You stick to them. That's the message of the Mercury Prize. Um, for what it's worth, I would have uh, liked to see uh, either these new Puritans album or Hookworms album on that list. Um, I doubt that Hookworms even entered their album. To be honest with you, that's it, folks. On that uh, joyful note, <laughs> uh, normal service will be resumed next week, including Singles Club and Peeper Feeders. Doctor Who time travelling mode give us your Mercury thoughts below the line at guardian.com forward slash music weekly see you next week ta support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life Squarespace offers free domain names customizable designs drag and drop tools and 24-7 support Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. 
Start your free trial today. No credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN. 